0: you Welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Pod and the Pendulum. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and we're here to talk a little bit more Hell House Origins, Carmichael Manor. And uh, like I said, last time when we talked about the movie that we kind of skipped over the background that we normally cover, like how it came, how it all came to be, because like, you know, rather than go into a bunch of like dusty old articles and, uh, you know videos and whatnot like let's go straight to the horse's mouth we have a very special guest today the writer and director of all the hell house movies uh mr stephen cognetti Stephen, how are we doing
1: excellent mike good to talk to you again
0: thank you so much for joining us man i'm really excited we get to sit down and talk about this right before thanksgiving you know we don't have any turkey to share but you know, that's <laughs> that's all right um so I kind of wanted to start by asking like, what was it like for you to kind of, what made you want to return to the world of hell house really after taking an extended break after part three?
1: Um I only took an extended break from hell house. Cause I made a, a, a film in between in 2021. Mm. I shot uh, a two forest road, which I'm happy to say, I don't know if it, when I saw you and tell you, right, I don't know if it was, but right now it is finally completely fully finished, ready to go um, to seek uh you know, distribution partners, uh, wherever Well, But, um, so that, that's other way. So then, uh, while that was in post-production, I just wanted to start working on something cause it was in post-production for a long time. So I just wanted to start working on something. Mm-hmm. And then I just had this idea about, well, we could go to hell house, but I, I'm done with the Abaddon hotel. So just let's see if I can still do something in the world, but have a completely original story. And then I wrote the first draft, liked where it was going, got excited for the story. Wrote the second draft and third, and just you know made it made it better. And um, as every subsequent draft always becomes better, though. But I just I just got like excited for the project all over again. I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited to get back into the Hell House world. This is the this story's looking good. The scares are looking good. Um, and just and just went from there. And then you know called called the called the, the old gang back together. Say, hey guys, we're shooting another Hell House. Again. Let's mm-hmm. get ready. So. It-
0: was everybody excited to do another hell house? Was anyone yeah. like, haven't you done enough with this already? Or are they like, yes. Yeah, I'm sure there's a
1: lot work. of uh, people out there, uh, you know, horror uh, critics and stuff that said like, Oh, do we need a fourth hell house? And there's always those voices, but mm-hmm. people that I work with, um, the, the, cast, the distribution company shutter. I mean, everyone just seemed to be very excited, mm-hmm. um, that this, uh, was going to be the, a, a, a new project that, um, we were going to undertake. So, uh, I get a lot of support from people saying like hell yeah let's, let's let's go and um and and the script was fun too i think this and the script was it was a it was new it was fresh it wasn't in the yeah. abaddon hotel it wasn't um and that was the problem i think i had a lot of trouble with two and three trying to write scares <clears throat> in that same hotel over and over um and i just uh so having this whole new location whole new story new characters everything to start with it just uh the the ideas just flowed the scares became like they're fun to write again and so i'd love yeah. i'd love diving into it
0: yeah. It's in part two and three, like we did get to know like every inch of that hotel <laughs> and you know, in part three, like we spend more time in the attic and we try to change like the flow up of the hotel a little bit by yeah. like kind of having like this kind of uh, maze that one would go through, like by directing people, like traffic through it in some yeah. sort of way. And location has always been like such a huge part of the series, like getting to know like the physical location. Um, what was the challenge in finding something new? Like, how did you know, like, we're going to set it now in this kind of like huge ma- manner, this huge estate? Like, when did the idea hit that that was where you're going to set it?
1: Um, the first draft of the script was, uh, it always was going to be the Carmichael family home. Um, and, and it just, for me, when I wrote the script, it just seemed like it, it just felt right to be a manor. And then something happened there and, and not just like a, a regular home. There had to be something, there had to be something more to it. Just, it just felt more interesting to have something that was big. Um, so when I went into it, I was like, I want this to be a manor. It's going to be the Carmichael family home um but then obviously the challenge was then you know we're a, we're a very low budget indie film so how are we going to find a manner to shoot in um and i found a mansion early on near me so i'm up in Scranton Pennsylvania is where i am and uh i wanted to film in this Scranton Pennsylvania area in and around um i i got I have two small kids i didn't like being away from home too long so i just wanted to film and i was and, and so I, I was looking for a location i found this one mansion it was really nice um, and the owner was on board and then in De- January, uh, four months before we we're going to start shooting, they say, you know what, we're out. We, uh, we were, were selling the, the mansion and we don't know if having a horror movie associated with the mansion is going to be good or bad for sale. So we just decided not to do it. I was like, okay, that's fine. But that's four months from shooting and I have to, now I have to find another mansion and, uh, just a little bit more outside of, uh, Scranton really rural area, Pennsylvania, found this beautiful mansion and uh, it's called the Fern Hall Estate. And they were just excited on board. Like I said, Hey, can I check it out? Said, come on in. We're not there. Keep doors open. <laughs> just go walk through. And I walked through there and I was like, Oh, holy shit. This place is built to, to, you know, make a horror movie. In. And, and, uh, so it just, it just came to that, that, um, the location just worked out that I didn't even know it was actually only like 25 minutes from where I lived and I never even knew it existed. And it's just a beautiful place.
0: So how much of it then, like, do you go back and look at the script and be like, now that you have this location and you, how much of it is like, Oh, now I have new ideas and new things we can do. Do you go take another pass at the script? Oh, absolutely.
1: It's so much happen Once you find your location, um, I changed scares all the time. And I did that for the Abaddon hotel too. I wrote all these scares and then I wrote either new scares or changed existing scares. When I found the Abaddon hotel, the actual hotel we're going to shoot in. Uh, Then the same thing with this mansion, um, so a, a good example of that is, uh, um, the scene where, uh, Chase is home by himself and he hears the ball rolling down the hall. He goes out and the shadows move in, of the, of the mannequin of the clown mannequins that in that storage room there. That was something I didn't think of until I got there. And I, I had something happening to chase while Margo and Rebecca were at the antique store. They were just different. It was a completely different scare. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that the, there's no, and it was something that happened to him in the bathroom he was in. And I realized the camera angles aren't there for this bathroom, but what's really cool is this long hallway with these um, deep dark shadows coming and light pouring out of all these rooms down it. So let's explore something like that. And I rewrote the scare that is for that. And it's one of our first, I think it's, yeah, I think it's like the first big scare of the, uh, of the whole movie. Um, so yeah, all the time uh, when you find the actual location, it just it's so much fun to just be like oh we could do this instead or that instead and change scares to fit but also uh that happens on the acting side too when you when you when you cast an actor for a role then you kind of rewrite dialogue too for when you get to know the actor better you're like oh i want to change some of the dialogue for them same thing location you know when you find the location you'll tweak things
0: yep and it's everybody on set at once like you have basically two stories that kind of converge with one another. here. You have Mm -hmm. the story of the Carmichael's and then you have uh, Margo and Rebecca and chase. And like, do you have everybody together kind of interacting or are you bringing them in because their stories are told separately? Are you keeping them separate from one another as well?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's all about scheduling. Um, So it's nothing I wanted to do uh, for a creative way of like Mm -hmm. keeping them separate. It was more, uh, we shot, We had the mansion I think for like eleven days and we shot um all the Margot Rebecca Chase stuff um for the first like eight days we were there. Mm Um and then then all the then the Carmichael family came in and they came and they had overlapped and when it was when Margot and Rebecca when uh Bridget and Destiny when they rapped um it was like a it was like a fun night because it was we had like a mini rap party even though we were just a little over halfway through through the shoot though but like it was their last night on set the Carmichael's got there was like the one time everyone was like all there so um we had champagne we uh we had got the fire going everyone was kind of partying and having a good time that night and uh saying their goodbyes to uh Destiny and Bridget and uh um uh, and Chase had already left uh, earlier that day because he's LA so he had to he had to fly back but um so that was, but they only overlapped on one time, and then and then from there on, the the, the end of the shoot was just the Carmichael stuff. Mm-hmm. Um And so, but it that's just a matter of like coordination. There's nothing on, on the creative end of why we did that. It was just like when when's the best time to shoot a okay. you know A, B, and C.
0: So you mentioned how you start rebuilding scares or rearranging scares based on like the location and your actors. And one of the things about the Hell House movies is they're paced differently. Like there are scares throughout them. And unlike a lot of found footage movies, it seem to save the goods until the end. Mm-hmm. And you also like incorporate technology in a way, whether it's still photography or cell yeah. phones. What have you learned over the course of like four movies when it comes to crafting a really good jump scare? Like, what do you feel like from the first movie to this one you have found like are your strengths when it comes to building a good scare?
1: It's, you know, this, that's such a good question because um, I like to, I've learned as I've been writing all of them that I like to space it out where, and, and I, when I have all the scares in the in the script uh, pointed out when I've written the script and I know where all the scares are, I, I, then I write out all the scares um, on a whiteboard and I see like what their page number is and how that would translate to the minutes of where that was going to end up in the film. And I kind of just stare at it at a bird's eye and I'm like, is this a good place do this scare at the 20 minute mark is that okay is the 30 minute mark okay for this is it an a scare is it a b scare and so and so i kind of do i do b scares in blue um a scares in red and a scares are usually your big ones and the ones that might require makeup or um, makeup effects and stuff like that so and i really just kind of space it out and with index cards on whiteboards like how is this all spaced is it spaced well enough do I not have enough A-scares early enough that I'm going to lose interest of the audience? Do I have to get a bigger impact earlier on? Is like, is my first A-scare doesn't come to like page 40. Is that okay? Is that a problem? Is it going to be slow enough? So I see if there's any way I can move things up and, and get something more impactful in the in, in between page 20 to 30 or something like that. So uh, I do take a lot of time to to find a, a good pace of how to get the scares out there, but I also want the scares to build. Can't do something too big early because you have to justify them staying in the mansion or the Abaddon hotel or wherever, So you have has to slowly build. Yep. Um, so that's, that's another challenge. And I like pacing it out that way saying, is this too much too early, yep. <laughs> you know? And if it is too much too early, but I like the scare, is there a way I can shuffle it a little later in the film, like past, you know, page 60, you know? And then, so yeah, I do a lot of that. And, uh, I find that like getting your first big a scare out there, that's a fun jump is, is, is happens right around like, a you know, um, you know, the 40 page mark, uh, which is like the 40 minute mark. So, uh, and then, and go from there and then slowly having it build from there and then having the B scares, the subtle stuff Mm -hmm. being in your, you know, in your first act leading up to there. So, uh, that was
0: one of the things we talked about when we talked about, uh, we talked about the, the movie that we understood with the first movie we understood like they're financially tied in. Like they can't Mm -hmm. go anywhere. It's like the first Amityville horror. Like, well, we bought this house. Like we can't get out from under it. We're, we're kind of screwed if we leave. And here it's like, why isn't anyone leaving? Like, you know, like the first time, like, Oh, this house is haunted. Like, fuck this. We're out of here.
1: But I tried to like make it justifiable. So I like to say, if you're in that situation and you saw what Chase saw, um, Mm Are you running? I think a lot of people. Yeah, I think that answers. Yes, I think. But I think there is a world where there are people who would say, "Well, nobody got hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's not like that. That girl who peeked out um, from the corner with a mask on, she didn't kill Chase. She didn't even threaten Chase. She just looked at him." So I, I, I would, find like, is there, are there people that would be curious about that? And be like, well, let's see what else happens after that. And, and then stay, obviously. So I think, because I think in horror, we know the end. We know they all died. at The, yeah. t- but the characters don't know that at the time. Yeah. So I think it is justifiable that just you say, but I, I know that's a tough, delicate balancing act. And I know some people, I see that all over Twitter, people are saying, no way, no way they're staying there. this It's, 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 it's illogical, but, you know.
0: Oh and I agree like there's part of us like I think we came down on the side as like we'd stay for a bit like we might <laughs> put our bags down for a little while and see yeah. what's going on but then what at what point at what point are we going to tap out um I was curious as to the lore as well because like over the course of like the first 3 movies you developed like a pretty extensive like lore for the Hell House franchise. Mm-hmm. How do you determine which bits of that you are going to pull from in order to uh, add to this new movie? Like it's pretty like when you watch the third movie, it's pretty clear that like you wrote the second one with the third one in mind. Like there are right. things that you pull yeah. directly from where the first movie kind of stands on its own and then things come from it. How do you determine, like, what do you, do you go back into the first three movies? Do you have like a kind of detailed journal you kind of dive into? Like, how do you determine like what you want to pull from to create this new story?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I don't have a detailed journal. I just have a lot of like, uh, I I wrote a lot of script about the Abaddon Hotel history. Mm -hmm. And so I pulled from there and I knew any kind of tie in that I was going to do in in this new film, I I, I wanted it to be uh, tie in stuff that we don't really know yet. Couldn't just be about Hell House. We know about them. We know their connection to the Abaddon Hotel or Alex's. But um, if I was going to do any other connection, have it be in the bigger world of of the Abaddon Hotel itself and draw from those uh, pages of script that I already written about all all the things that happened in the 80s. And so kind of bring in new Easter eggs, new little breadcrumbs of information about there. Things that people don't know too much about, but things that also do answer a little bit. Um, and I, one of the most fun things I had, uh, I was able to write, was the lyrics to the piano jingle. Mm-hmm and i loved writing those lyrics and uh it was a lot of fun because i did i guess i didn't know if it could happen i was like i would love to have lyrics to this and then i, I play it on my head i'm like and, and you know because I, I i'm not i have no musical ability whatsoever um not that this is overly complex but it was just for me just it was just a fun challenge i'm like D- can i do it can i can they can I have like creepy fun lyrics that actually mm-hmm. fit the actual piano jingle and that was something fun to be able to do and tie in because it worked once it like worked i was like oh, this works <laughs> this you know like I. the, guy, the- the lyrics actually do go to the jingle, and it works. And I got excited, and that was so. Having callbacks like that was fun. But this ties more to the Abaddon Hotel and the history of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just anything I can do to expand on the his on the backstory of the hotel, a backstory that I can't on our low budget, we can never film something that happened in the '80s. So we can only just kind of reference it in, a, in little ways. Um, that that's my that's what I'd like to do, and I, I don't wanted to do that in this one okay. as well.
0: You mentioned, like, pulling from things and kind of, like, going through all your, like, the scripts and writing new scripts. It sounds like you have, like, scripts of things that we haven't even, like, seen yet. Do you have other ideas? Yeah,
1: I've, uh, I have some. Uh, well, no. Actually, the only thing I had written, actual script form, was is uh, 120 pages on the Abenon Hotel in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and the characters there, uh, the everything that leading up to the mass suicide of the cult. Got it. Um, so that was like there was like a lot of details there that i was able to pull from uh, and just in little breadcrumb references into this new movie reference this story reference this greater story that i've written but like only in small amounts um so that's the only thing i have written out in detail i have like uh, basic ideas written out of like where i want to go from here should i make any future uh, hell house movies um you know the and it's mostly i i think i've said this in a few uh forums before that i'd love to do more uh regarding the rockland county fair and it's why i referenced mm-hmm. it in the bonus scene at the end of the credits so yep. um
0: part of it is as good as the lore is like we have to spend time with characters like lore can only take us so far and i think that this is like probably the m- most fascinating group of characters to follow since the first movie like mm-hmm. on both sides of it like watching the trio of brothers and sisters like and we kind yeah. of like they kind of parallel one another you have like a brother sister trio here and then you have another brother and sister along with like a partner so almost a sister-in-law yeah. in some cases here can you talk a little bit especially in the case of like Margot, who i find i think i said to you like uh Telluride tell when we were chatting like almost like can you find a worse boyfriend or girlfriend than like Alex in the first movie who really puts their partner through the ringer and just makes horrible decisions on their behalf. Like where did you kind of come up with the idea for like Margot and becoming like a true crime kind of videographer and being like really fascinated with like Mm -hmm. visiting all these like murder locations uh, where she makes a lot of terrible choices that endanger a lot of people And yet I don't find her like a despicable character where in like lesser hands, that would be a character you're like, Oh, I can't wait until she gets hers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, in poor Bridget though, I, I think she gets a lot of, uh, uh, Angry people online saying, "Margot got them all killed." What's she's? She did. She's, she's I mean, a terrible person, and she's like, and she's probably reading that like, "No, Margot." She's a big defender of Margot because she loves the character of Margot, mm-hmm. um, and she really brought Margo to life in such a good way. So she she'll take that personally. <laughs> someone go, someone attacks Margot. Bridget Bridget gets mad, mm-hmm. um, but um, I think so. That was that's the draft process. So the original draft of the script. Um, Margot and Rebecca, who they are, is, is completely different. And, he, and it, it evolves after every draft. And just trying to find the best way of, I want these two characters, I, I want this, two, this, this gay couple um, to be in the Carmichael family home for some reason. So they, I always had those two being our central cast members, our characters, but I didn't really know how am i getting them to that why are they going to the carmichael uh manor and why are they so that that's the draft process of like and then it came out like i think it's best and especially uh it's best if they to justify why are they filming things if they are in a way doing something that's more on the true crime investigation side um so it's when you're writing characters you also that i think a lot of thought has to go into why would they this character be filming something so in the found footage world you have to justify that you don't have to do that another way so they probably would have been if this wasn't a found footage film They probably would have been something else but i thought this true crime thing was the best way to to have them holding cameras inside the family home of the car of the Carmichael. so yeah. that's why that happened um that way and uh um and same and then rebecca i i just i i made her her being in real estate only because i love the idea of the scare of her having mm-hmm. the zoom scare with the showing houses and, and i was like how do i best do this well she works in real estate that's why she's showing homes to her boss mm-hmm. um and so just and then you know you write the character to be that and and then uh sophie uh schneider our um Production designer, she she went like you can't see too much of the details uh in the film though, but like she get all these all this great gear for Rebecca um, Destiny to have that really highlights that she's a you see all the the home spreads on the bed while she's working that night and everything like that, and so we we brought out that character a lot, and Destiny was just great, and she loved playing the character of Rebecca and had a lot of fun with it.
0: It's a fascinating dynamic because you have Margot who is like not really listening to rebecca who's like yeah. afraid for her life like i don't want to be here and rebecca is like basically funding Margot's whole lifestyle like she's like <laughs> allowing she's the one who's allowing Margot to kind of do this hobby mm-hmm. um and i know like we talk like this is like at this point like this is your job. Like you make movies for a living. You're like one of the fortunate enough able to do so by no for I, I know like, where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I am not a hundred percent sure. Like, was there ever a point in in your own like creative process where you're like, I might have to give this up and, you know, like go yeah. back to the nine to five grind?
1: Yeah. in 100%. And I, and uh, there is a little bit of um, that. A uh, uh, concern in the back of my head that I built into the the relationship between Margo and Rebecca when they have that when they have that argument. She says, that, "You know, I love that you do this, but it's a hobby." Um, at some point, I, I when making going into Hell House and all the time I invested into making the original movie, I had my nine to five, but um, like I put in a lot of our savings into that move into the, into making that movie. And, I, and as, oh, I didn't want to say, like, I just put a lot of savings into a hobby. I wanted to, mm. you know, I like I didn't want to have to tell that to my wife. You know, so, um, you know, so like, but that's what filmmaking is when you're on our level, when you're on the indie level. Um, it's a little, it's a passion, but it, it you know, it, it can not pay the bills? I don't know. And you want it to be. And so, you know, thankfully it does. That's what I do full time. But it, that when I made the original Hell House, my wife was so supportive. Then she was my fiance, a girlfriend, but um, she was so supportive and, um she came places with me that's not she's not comfortable with but like she did it for me and right. and she knew that i wanted to do this and i wanted to make this movie and i wanted to be a filmmaker and um but uh so it's just that's you know like, is this going to pay off am i able gonna be able to do this as a for a career i don't know right now it's a hobby mm-hmm. and so i put that little that that tension there wasn't never there was tension between my me and my wife about that she was always supportive though but there is that always lingering in the back of your head like right. I'm going off the cliff here well, you know I'm putting everything into this film is it going to work out is it going to pay off in the end I mean you can have
0: that tension in yourself like that's an internal tension in a conversation yeah. you can And have that's the thing and with. so that
1: I think and that I think that it's not as true of filmmaking so many people in their careers they're pursuing a passion mm-hmm. and at some point they can only do it as a side project mm-hmm. um, it's like it's like a hobby at the time but you yeah. would want it to be a career and that's not just for filmmaking it could be in anything I'm sure it's the same thing with acting too um and uh, writing and any kind of artistry. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's, I, I just respect that, um, that, you know, and people that work their ass off to do it. And, and and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. You couldn't end up doing it as, as your full-time gig. And, and thankfully I've been able to do that. But at the yeah. time it was, it was a gamble. So it was, definitely was, <laughs> um, but it's worked. I mean, I think Hell House,
0: the first one in particular has become like really a cult favorite. And you know, have gone on to make four, with possibly more in the works, and in part, no small part, because of those clowns. And when <laughs> did you realize that, like, you were going to be known for these clowns? And why clowns?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: God damn, those clowns are terrifying. Yeah, why I clowns, remember Stephen?
1: well when I wrote the original Hell House. I remember thinking, you know, it's it's a haunted house attraction, and a haunted house attraction has to have clowns. Mm-hmm. And then I thought clowns weren't scary enough for me. Like I didn't, I thought like clowns that I've been seeing in in cinema at the time were always overdone and overdone is too scary. Big noses and all the, and and, silly frilly hair and colors, too much colors, I think is bad. Um, so I said, if I'm going to do a clown, I want to make it scary. And I think less is more. I think this is the minimalist kind of clown. And, um, when I was growing up, uh, my parents had this like really creepy picture of a clown, uh, I don't know. We don't, we, me and my siblings We always asked our parents, like, why did you have that? It was terrifying. Nobody liked it. It was just this creepy, like pale faced clown. And I don't know where they got it. I wish I still had it because I think about it all the time. But I, but when I was thinking about the clown she'll look like I, that popped in my head, I sent uh, a concept artist, uh some like ideas of like, just like make me like a clown that looks like this. And she came back to me with this amazing uh looking clown. And it. it's, um, uh, I think I, th- I think I it posted it on my Instagram or my Twitter, but uh, but it's it's similar to what we used in the movie though. Uh, but I, and I just thought minimalist on the clown was going to be creepy, and it's and it's, um, something that Sophie uh, Schneider and I talked about. And she um, it's the the uh, she did costume and production design on the fourth Hell House. When we were doing the other two clowns, we both went. Our reference was like the old mm-hmm. clowns you see in like the black and white twenties and thirties, and and those were the inspiration for like how she was going to do the the uh, clothing uh, and uh, for that. And then our mask makers uh, that made the, the two new clowns, they did an amazing job as well. But that was the, the minimalist kind of clown. That was mm-hmm. the uh, the our reference, our point of reference for uh, uh, the pictures we used were always those old, you know, those uh, archival uh, clowns you see mm-hmm. that are just, just awesome. Yeah. Carnival clowns, you know?
0: Yeah. Did you, when we first see them in this movie, what hit me was like, they were so lifelike when she, when Margot grabs that clown's face, mm-hmm. that's not a mask. That just felt like a, like that was way too pliant. That's a
1: dude in grease paint, isn't it?
0: <laughs> no, no, you're no, kidding. Uh, okay. That, yeah, that... No.
1: no, the only time uh, there was a real clown was um, a real person in the mask and the, in the suit as uh, our producer, Joe Bandelli. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a uh, un- I think he, he. I would say I was gonna. Unfortunately, he's always in our clown suit because he's like the tallest on set, mm-hmm. the, and um, but I, he loves playing the clown though, so I don't think it's unfortunate to him. Uh, but uh, he's in the clown suit. And the only time he was actually in the clown suit is when the clown's like moving and coming was coming after Margo at the end. Um, okay. But other than that, I think it's best to just keep it very mm-hmm. you know, stationary as possible, and we and we use this like really good mannequins on that. Yeah.
0: So this one does take a more, I would say, like a back back to the basics is maybe too strong of a phrase because like it's obviously this one is a lot bigger overall than the first Mm. hell house was, but it does kind of go back to like, it parallels the film in a lot of ways. Like some of the scares parallel it, the structure parallels it. How important was it to you to kind of go back to kind of like what worked with that first movie in terms of like the main goal is to scare the bejesus out of the audience.
1: Yeah. No, well, that was intentional. I, I think because I went into it thinking there's no reason to do this film unless it's going to be um, as scary as mm-hmm. the original. Um, I didn't want to make a film that uh, people say like, oh, it's okay. OK, but still nothing like the original. I wanted to I wanted to make something that fans would say like, oh, this is just, it reminds me of the original. Mm-hmm. And that was the goal in writing. And, and then in, when writing the scares, I was always had in mind you know what we did on the original and yeah. and, that, and that comes with pacing too i told you about like when we were writing a scares and b scares where did they come up show up in the movie um i based that on like how i paced it out in the original as well yeah. um when does our first a scare come in um and and then how how do they build from there um and i i kind of did purposely want to mirror after the first after the first one and have them be similar similar um movies in the, in the way they're structured, but original scares um, with an original story and character. So uh, I did, I did write um, with the original in mind in terms of similar, similar structures. Mm -hmm.
0: So we had the pleasure of introducing this at Telluride for like the world premiere for an Mm -hmm. audience. And this movie plays incredible for an audience, like seeing it in a crowd. crowd uh, uh... It's the perfect kind of horror movie experience where people definitely talk to the screen but not in an annoying way, like not in the like, it's more of a like, oh shit, don't open that door or (laughs) fuck those clowns kind of way. And this originally was going to get a a limited theatrical release, which unfortunately didn't happen. So I guess I'm going to ask you about your blood feud with Taylor Swift (laughs) and what happened there.
1: Yeah. um, So we were going to play an, uh, I, I don't know if it's every Alamo draft house or most of them or anything, but we're going to have a two week run at Alamo draft houses across the country, um, starting in mid October. And this deal was coming in like August as when this happened. And, um, and the distributor called me and said, "Like, hey, we're, we're we're locked and loaded. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna have a theatrical run." And I was like, "This is great. We've never had a theatrical run." And then in, sometime in September, they called me and they're like, "Guess what? You got bumped for Taylor Swift." And I was like, "Really? Why would why what what is she doing? I thought she does music, not new movies. But I I had no idea this whole era's tour was mm-hmm. gonna." be it was a documentary going to go to the and I and let alone be so heavily like the, it's AMC theaters but AMC wants to pump it into not only their theaters they want to do it in Alamos too and they want to do it in October the month for horror um and it's like I'm like why October it makes no sense like like I, um but uh so that was a bummer and the cast was bummed because I had to let them know I I told them afterwards because I didn't let them know about theatrical run uh until after we lost it so i had to give them oh. news like we had theaters we had a theatrical release but we lost it and uh, and and so they were really bummed and i think um bridget actually wrote to taylor a letter really <laughs> yeah wow. i mean I, you know she'll never read it but uh it's just funny though but because she's so passionate about it though, but i'm sure the that's letter- amazing it's i Bridget's hilarious so,
0: is- so- Bridget doesn't sound that far removed from the character of Marco is what you're saying. No, I
1: think she, she's, she sees herself in Marco a lot. Um, Okay. And she's just a, just like such a wonderful person, so much energy, so much like love. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, she's so much fun to have on set. And I love those kind of actors. I love like, and she's the kind of person on set where she didn't want to leave. Okay. Um, And she was like trying to find out ways she could stay um, after her her time was up after uh, she wrapped. And, uh, and that that's just the kind of people you want to work with. And, but yeah, no, and she will tell you that, that she sees herself in Margot a lot. And it was just, and she loved going, getting into that character. But if she suggests a weekend getaway, don't take her off. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely don't go uh, to yeah. any mansions with her. Uh, so
0: we had a Barbenheimer summer. We could have had a Swell House fall. We didn't <laughs> get it, but we did get the movie on Shutter. And it yeah. seems like that's where the original hell house found its legs. Like when it, when, yeah, it I think so. Um, they do there.
1: It, it was and, like a year on like VOD. Like mm-hmm. um, I think it was out for like rental and stuff like that. And then, uh, and you know, a few people saw it and it, it, all these movies, every indie movie gets um, a movie on our level always gets, uh, makes it, it's either grows just by word of mouth, mm-hmm. you know, cause we have no big advertising budget or anything like that. So, you know, you hope to get uh, people telling people and, uh, when Shutter uh, acquired the original, it, it really opened it up to a whole new group—a uh, a horror audience that hadn't, I guess, hadn't really seen it on Amazon yet or anything like that. Because I think before that, Amazon Prime, it had done pretty well there. Because once you get to Amazon Prime, that's a big market, um, so you have to it, it, you have a chance to grow there. But it never grew like it did until it got to Shutter, and Shutter—it just opened it up to—and you know, obviously, horror audiences are the best, and the best horror audiences are at Shutter, so um so i'm just so happy that um we have a good relationship with them and um i was finally able actually funny enough um we screened the movie at uh, at the ifc theater in new york city i finally mm-hmm. got to meet sam zimmerman who is their head of curation um for uh for shutter and uh, such a such an he and i have never met in person but we've been on this on the same emails for years now okay um uh just you know talking about different things <clears throat> related to hell house but um uh, we've been on this, just on the same email correspondence, but the meeting him in person was great. And uh, and Shutter's just such a uh, what they do is amazing, and they have such a good lineup uh, this past uh, fall and going into through the winter. Oh yeah.
0: So is there like a <clears throat> a little a level of credibility then? Like once something like Hell House hits a, a Shutter, mm-hmm. that like you mentioned, like well, Amazon is obviously much bigger, and Netflix is much bigger, but like, is there a credibility? that when it hits a service like shutter because it's horror centric and meant for hardcore fans that a movie like a hell house is going to get immediately elevated. Oh yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I think,
1: I think, um, I think uh, Amazon prime because it's Amazon has a bigger audience, but it doesn't, it's not necessarily a bigger horror audience. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody has a prime subscription. So, but when you have a horror film, you want it to go to horror fans. And I think Shudder is the best place. For it. I think it's even better. I mean, I think Netflix is probably a bigger company, but right. I just don't, that's not the right place for, for horror movies, especially Hell House. And Shudder is where you go to go direct line straight yep. to the biggest horror fans. And yeah, it does uh, add a lot of credibility. It's, it's a lot of fun to be able to, to um, uh, make a film knowing that it's going to go to that platform because that's just a platform I respect and love.
0: And do you have a sort of agreement with Shudder where it's like, if you want to make these movies, like we'll look at it first or, you know, you have a home with them? Like what sort of.
1: Um, Yeah, no, with Hell House, um, they were happy to make a deal before, like one going into production. Okay. For this for this film, um, that's not always the case. It wasn't the case on, on one two on one or two. Um, mm-hmm. but so, but um, I think uh, on especially on, on on this latest one, Origins, um, we uh, the distributor Terra Films approached Shutter. Told them that uh i was interested in making a fourth film if they had interest they said you know interest, they're interested we're all interested let's let's get together um and they uh, which is great about them is they didn't really even say like we need to see your script or anything like that they were just like yeah like let's do it and um which i love because i don't i don't like anybody see, no, i don't no. want to see my script or deals uh, you know like uh but uh, I, I I like that they're just on board and like whatever you want to do we're on board with uh, for the fourth film and um, so that that's great partnership so that was good so for that but um yeah no I don't have any kind of other outside of the Hell House no I don't have okay. any, like direct line of- that's what I meant with like the Hell House if that
0: was the deal like they know they've got a budding franchise it can it can go there because you can usually find all of them there lastish yeah. thing um, rewatching the movie like putting the, our notes together for our mm-hmm. episode. You know, I'm like, there are, like, you mentioned breadcrumbs earlier, and I'm like, I actually have it in my notes. Like, there are a lot of breadcrumb trails for future installments Mm -hmm. in here. Like, there's a lot of open-ended questions where, like, you can watch this movie, and you know what happens at the end of it. Like, you can watch it on its own. You can watch this one without even seeing the other three movies, and it's a really satisfying experience. Obviously, it's enriched by seeing the others. But we still don't know what happened to the father of the Carmichael's. And there are all these hints about the carnival and the shady comings and goings. How much like when you're working on this movie, are you like planting seeds for yourself for future scripts? Like how much do you have in the back of your mind? Like I want to continue with this story.
1: I all the time. I mean, and I don't know if it's going, if I am going to continue, that's going to be my next film. I would like to, but like all the time when I'm writing, I always like to like leave things, a few things open-ended, especially in the hell house world. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was on my mind when writing this one is like, how can we, plan things that, that open up uh, new storylines, just kind of tease that storyline or tease uh, something without, and, and not answering it, leaving people curious of like, oh, I wonder why that is. And then knowing that's something we can come back to and answer um, later on. So yeah, that's always, that was always on my mind uh, in writing uh, this fourth one, especially that uh, I wanted to implant some ideas about what could be, where we could be going. And...
0: But before you do that, you mentioned you 825 Forest Road, yeah like you wrote that directed that yeah. post is done movie is
1: done Yeah uh, it's awesome it's so it's such I can't wait for people to see it it's um cuz uh this was the my biggest film that I ever done biggest budget and when I say biggest budget it's still like it's the catering budget of most big horror films mm-hmm. but um but for me that's still big but uh but for that I what I mean by that is that we were able to really like um uh, do great things like work with. Uh, I was able to work with an amazing composer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a beautiful score, um, and uh, it's colored uh, by the uh, um, uh, Mark Todd Osborne, the same guy who who did the color uh, the color palette and uh, on uh, It Follows. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, and things like and then uh, our sound designer, our sound engineers, they were just like amazing, like building this whole like world of sound for the film. That's so perfect. Mm-hmm uh so everything came together there's a lot of things that i can't afford on hell house movies that i was able to do in, in this film and mm-hmm. just to, to add to the experience a lot more and, and sound and color being one of them um and effects too as well we have a few visual effects though but um but uh, mostly for the sound uh components uh and, and uh in color but so i'm just so excited for for the movie for that that we're able just to do a little bit more in this than we usually can do on our very microscopic budgets on Excellent. for hell house
0: and when will we have the opportunity to hear more about it or catch it is it like the festival run next is that no
1: I don't know what's going on so um the uh, production company that was in charge of uh, a25 they're called uh, epic level films um, and they were producers on on a25 and they're um, it, I, I don't really know what their plan is with the film like if they're gonna if they're just gonna seek uh like a a direct go to go to um, distributor or go festival route i don't know but all i know is that it's done and ready those decisions are ready to be made right now which is exciting
0: excellent well thank you so much for taking a bunch of time to chat with us today like We Loved, I mean, you can listen to the episode, it's up right now, and hey, we'll take the downloads. Uh, but you know, we really loved Hell House Origins, it was a blast catching up. I don't tell your ride this, it was a blast, it was really
1: good to see you again. Everyone out there was a lot of
0: fun. Look, you keep making these movies, man, we'll keep covering them. We love the Hell House series, so have a great Thanksgiving to you and yours, and listeners. We hope you've enjoyed this little bonus episode. If you are listening on thanksgiving morning as this drops as you're getting your turkey and stuffing ready you know go out you know why watch little football go watch hell house origins carmichael manor uh after you know the tryptophan hits it's a good time it'll wake you right the hell up i promise you